Hey, everybody. Uh, Matt DeMarinas here. I know it's been a rough one. Um, don't blame me if you don't feel like listening to basketball talk, but we're going to try anyway. Um, yeah, Creighton was uh, – that was a biblical ass-kicking, is what they call it, <laughs> over Seton Hall, so we're going to break that one down for you. Uh, I'm joined with, uh, obviously, by Jacob Padilla. I know if you're listening on iTunes, you can't hear that, so apologize for not intro introducing him. Yeah, Jacob Padilla is here from Hale Varsity. Um, we're going to break down some Jays, uh, talk about the defensive performance, um, you know, break down how surgical Marcus Zagorowski looked today. Uh, Damian Jefferson more. Uh, we're going we're gonna to stand Jamie, Damian Jefferson again tonight because he was incredible. Um, so, yeah, we'll just get into the general dissection as we do. Um, I guess, first of all, Jacob, thanks for hopping on. Um, I know basketball is perfect escapism for you, so I'm, <laughs> I'm sure you're glad to do this, uh, but I appreciate it nonetheless. Um, yeah, thanks for having me. It's, it's always uh, fun when we get to talk about a game like this. Yeah, for sure. Much more enjoyable, no doubt. Yeah. Uh, I guess, you know, it's, it's probably a loaded question to ask you your impressions of a essentially a 40 point win. Um, so I guess the way I'll ask is what did you think was the major factor in how Creighton was able to separate that game? Cause to me, it felt a little bit more methodical than some of their blitzkrieg runs last year, where it was like turnover, run out, transition bucket type of deal. It felt like they were, um, uh, better at just getting stops coming down uh, moving the ball, getting good shots, and then converting. Like, it just felt a little more methodical, like, by design as opposed to um, the way the game was playing out, you know? Yeah, they just flat out outplayed Seton Hall in every aspect of the game from start to finish. And um, kind of, it's kind of a deal where every, every time you looked up, you're like, whoa, whoa. Every time you look at the score, it just steadily keeps um, – the lead just kept extending. And they just – like you said, it wasn't necessarily just one – quick blitz it was an 8-0 run a 15-0 run uh 10-2 whatever like just steadily Creighton outplaying Seton Hall on both ends of the floor and a lot of it was because they were getting contributions contributions from so many players and no matter who um was kind of stepping up in the moment they they made the play and like they were shooting ridiculously to start the second half um, so like the, it, it was a 30 to 11 start to the second half and they shot 10 of 14 from the field, four, six from three and four, four from the free throw line in that stretch. Like with two turnovers. So four assists, two turnovers and three steals. So they, they got it back more than they gave it away. <laughs> <laughs> and it just, at, so I marked that down thinking, okay. Here we've we've kind of hit the peak, and then it just kept stretching out from there. It just never stopped. It did not stop until they put in the very bottom of the bench walk-on guys in the last three minutes, and then Seton Hall got a little bit of it back. But it, that that was kind of the only point in the second half where they were ever somewhat in control. You know, what was really strange to me was, I think like. Seton Hall, from what 
I've seen of them so far this year has been a team that can kind of go into a hole a little bit. Um, but they've been really good at responding in game when you think they're kind of flat and yeah. just bare. I mean, Iona is a game I can think of where it seemed like they were just getting ready to get cooked. Like, Oh, Iona could not stop scoring if they even, if they tried to. Um, and then all of a sudden Seton Hall just made that game just a wipeout. Uh, I think Penn state is one where they were down pretty big, right? Like 17 or so. Is that I'm remembering that correctly? Um, like that. And they came back, made that a game, got the double, got the overtime win. Um, it's just like, that's a team that doesn't fold up, you know, but today I felt like they just, they got a little bit overwhelmed by Creighton's efficiency, both in how difficult the Jays were making it for them to score and how efficient Creighton was at, on the offensive end of the floor. And it's like, I think that kind of overwhelmed them and, um, Creighton's fight took it out of Seton Hall. And normally when you see a Seton Hall team that's able to punch their way back into a, into a game, um, they weren't able to do that today. And I think it speaks to, you know, as, as much as you can say it was a dud on Seton Hall's end, I don't, I didn't really see it that way. I thought, I thought Creighton was really sharp everywhere. Um, and, and as much as you might want to wipe that out and say, well, it just wasn't Seton Hall's night. I think there was a very specific reason why it wasn't like yeah. Creighton took away all of Seton Hall's strengths. They didn't let Roden get going. Uh, they didn't really let Mamu catch in great spots. I think he had one post up against uh, Mitch on a mismatch, but yep. he got switched on to Marcus a couple times. And I think Marcus forced a turnover on one uh, and didn't let him catch on another. Um, I think he might, you know, even when he got posted up against Christian, he had a tough time finishing over Christian uh, it's just like none of their guys, none of their dudes were able to get comfortable. And once those guys kind of went into a shell, I mean, no one else was able to get going at all. So I thought it was totally on Creighton's end, the reason that game got as ugly as it did. Oh, for sure. And I think it kind of shows the, the the difference in depth right now. Like you said, yeah. kind of Creighton did a good job of keying in on those top guys and their bench play. And occasionally the way Creighton has played defense in the past, that has meant an opening for some other guys to step up and kind of have some big games. That wasn't necessarily the case this time. They didn't really create openings and the other guys weren't able to take advantage of whatever they did get because of the, um, the, the defensive attention paid to Mamu Kilishvili and uh, Rodin. And I think, I think it says a lot that about this game and this matchup that right from the start for the first time this season, Kevin Willard changed his starting lineup. Wasn't that right surprising? there from the start. You knew that it was like, okay, we can't from the start. He was like, "Oh, we can't do what we're what we want to do and win this game." We have to match time up. Out, with time out one second. Remember how we were talking about this game last year as it was a matchup of who blinks first? Yeah, and like that was going to be your tell essentially. Like <laughs> Seton Hall blinked before tip off. Did they not? <laughs> with that with that decision, did they not blink before tip off? Hundred percent. When I heard, I saw the uh, John tweet about that in the tower, and I was like, "Oh, alrighty then." And I just went and looked because I wasn't sure. Um, like if they had, if that's something we had done this year where he changed the lineup a little bit. Nope. It's been the same exact lineup every single game until yep. today. Yep. And honestly, I don't blame him. He's probably right. Obiagu's not good. Like they yeah. destroyed Romero Gill last year mm -hmm. and Gill is a lot better than Obiagu is. So he was probably right that, um, we're not going to be able to win this way, but it also says a lot that 
he didn't even try it. He's like, you know what? It's not going to work. We got to try something else to match up with these guys. I think, I just think, I think giving it away at the start was, um, it was dooming in the aspect that once you get off to the slow, once, once Creighton gets off to the hot start, like they did hitting their first seven shots and going going on a 13 0 run, your plan B, you've already told your plan B that you don't have faith in. Isn't that right? That's right. So, so well, when, that, you, when you go to that, the players are already like, okay, we're already screwed. Well, see, so when you bring were, the big in, it's like, what am I supposed to do? I mean, you already know, you already told us basically we couldn't guard this way. Well, they started with their plan B. Like, they didn't even give their plan oh, yeah, A. That's right. Yeah, yeah, right, right. So it's hard to go back. Yeah. 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 So, it's, so now you go back to it and expect, like, oh, so now what am I supposed to do? You didn't have any confidence in me before. Yeah, and exactly. Yeah. So, like, that, that, so that, Right from the start, um, I think it kind of shows you where these two teams are right now. And what, oh my goodness, well, Obiagu minus 21 in 23 minutes. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah. Not, not quite as bad as Shavar Reynolds, but still pretty bad. Yeah, still Shavar Reynolds, what, no, actually, exactly as bad as Shavar Reynolds. Oh, did he finish up? Okay. All right. 20, minus 21 in 25 minutes. Good for Shavar. He, he got better as the game went on in that regard. <laughs> Yeah, he did not score. He had five turnovers, one assist. Ooh, he had five. He, Jacob, he had five turnovers, and they could have been eight because they were kind of like turnovers where it went off someone else's hands, and the turnover went to that guy. It's like, yeah. I mean, he was terrible. It was bad. Like I texted <laughs> you guys multiple times during the game. I was like, "Is he okay? Like, what? <laughs> like, does does he yeah, play basketball yeah, more?" Yeah, you asked if he was shaving points, which is honestly. <laughs> Probably the biggest insult you can give to a basketball Seriously, player. But I mean, his turnovers were like, what was he looking at type of turnovers? Yeah, you're not wrong. Like, you were not wrong to ask the yeah, way he okay. was playing. Yeah, okay. Um, I'm just saying. Like, I'm trying so, to be fair, but yikes. Yeah, so you, like you said, you already, like, okay, plan A isn't going to work. We're going to plan B. And then plan B, you give up however many points in the first few minutes. Uh, give up seven straight makes to open the game, including yeah. a couple threes. Like, so now you're on to plan C and Seton Hall doesn't have enough plans that, mm-hmm. that will work to have their first two plans burn right out, right out the gates. Mm-hmm. So that, that was huge. So obviously the start there and the start to the second half, those were huge. I want to highlight the, the closing stretch of the first half. I think that's where Creighton won this game. Okay. I think that's where Seton Hall needed to make its run. When Marcus picked up his second foul, at the mm. 558 mark, Max sat him down. It was 25-17 at that time. So um, Crane's got a nice little lead, but um, still definitely within reach. Seton Hall makes a run there. You can be close. He can have a lead going into the second half there, um, knowing that Marcus probably isn't playing the last five, six minutes here. Um, so uh, Sharif comes in, that, that second unit. Um, O'Connell was in there for stretches. Kalkbrenner was in there, I think, for most of that time. Obviously, DJ was out there. He was kind of the engine behind it. But defensively, they just fired up. And then offensively, a lot of it was DJ stepping up. But th- that unit held its own. They, uh, um, I went back and counted. They were five of eight from the field, one of three from three, one of two from the line, two assists, three turnovers, and four steals, uh, and closed the half on a 12-9 to nine run. So not only did they tread water with Marcus on the bench, they actually outscored Seton Hall by three and made it an 11-point game going into halftime. Like, that, that was huge, and I think that's kind of where Creighton – like, if Seton Hall was going to make a run, that was going to be where it was going to happen. They needed to kind of pick up some momentum there 
give them give themselves some belief heading into the locker room like all right we're, we're on a run here um we can have some success against these guys that didn't happen then they come out and get blitzed again to start the second half game over yep yeah i mean that's a, that's great that's a great uh segment of the game to pinpoint right there because i think uh even taking marcus agorowski out probably was the last thing that the coaches wanted to do even with two fouls they were probably there was probably a lot of deliberation of whether he could play through those to to get to the end of the half or not. And I think taking him out probably right away was the smart thing to do. But I bet you if that Seton Hall had closed um, to within three possessions or whatever, he would have been back in earlier than he was. As it stood, though, Creighton only needed to bring him back in for like the last offensive possession, really. Yeah. <laughs> because of what that second unit was able to do, like you said. That was, yeah. incre- that was incredibly crucial, too. Um, not only, like you said, extending the lead, which is what you would take. That's gravy. If you can do that, um, <laughs> like you said, keeping the head above water and, and maintaining some distance there going into the break before he can come back in the game. Yeah, um, Shreve, Shreve Mitchell plus 20 in 15 minutes. Yeah, he was really good tonight. Marcus was plus 18 in 20 minutes. Sharif, <laughs> like, Sharif was a big reason Shavar Reynolds didn't have a good game tonight. I mean, oh, as yeah. much as I'm bagging on the guy, um, Sharif was hounding him. Well, so that the play where uh, Reynolds lost it and threw it into the back of the backboard for a turnover, yeah, yeah, like Sharif's defense on that play was just ridiculous. I thought when he blew the whistle that they were going to call a late foul. I'm like, what? And then like, no, he actually just threw it off the back of the backboard to turnover off him. I like guess that's, that's how much he had him locked up. Yep. Um, and then th- I was talking with a, a friend of mine, Aaron, about this kind of during the game and Sharif's improvement from last year to this year it's not to the point where he's going to come in and control things offensively ever be a big time scorer or whatever but his ability to kind of take advantage of when his scoring chances are there is so much better this year mm-hmm. and a lot of it has to do with combination of the confidence and the understanding how to play at different speeds and to get to his spots because last year he was quick last year but he didn't really you never really saw him outside of a few games where he really got going where when he was out there, he was making things happen. It was more, he's moving the ball. When he tried to put it on the deck, he didn't really, didn't really, wasn't ever really a threat. This year, mm-hmm. he's a threat when he puts the ball on the deck. And three for three today, um, made some, some nice buckets, scored eight points. Um, one assist he had to, to DJ um, in, in that kind of stretch down the, uh, the end of the half there that I was talking about earlier where actually, DJ had four of their buckets and assisted Sharif on that little floater was the other bucket. So again, that, that 12 to nine stretch was pretty much all DJ um, on the offensive end, at least. Yeah. Sharif did what it, it, it was kind of reminiscent of the, the Providence game where DJ kind of took over there and kind of fueled that whole run. They went on with the steals and the runouts and all that kind of stuff and hit a big three, um, See, he was three of five from three in this game uh, after not even attempting one against uh, Providence. And he's letting it fly with confidence, quick trigger release, um, shooting the ball well. He had, I think, both of his misses um, kind of rimmed out too. Like that one at the end of the half, uh, halfway down and popped back out. Um, so he, like I said, we're going to talk highly of him. He finished with 19 points on eight to 12 shooting, three of five from three. Two rebounds, but when you're turning o- over Seen Hall as much as they were, there aren't going to be a ton of rebound opportunities. Right. Um, 
I think the kind of the one and four steals in 30 minutes. So he's plus 26. Um, the, the one area uh, to nitpick in this game, I think, is the turnovers. Um, there were a handful, I thought, where guys were trying to do too much. And then there were a few where guys were just careless. Um, and yeah, my, so my, read, my, read on turnovers, my read on turnovers, I saw a lot where there was a lot of indecision. Yeah. Like where it's like, so, where they, they kind of get caught in this, like, it's, it's going to be really hard to describe this on a podcast, but they kind of get caught in like this in between space where you're like, okay, the ball needs to go here, but that guy doesn't look quite ready for it there. And I'm like, uh, 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 and I just throw it. And then the defense, throw it anyway. by the time the defense like sees that, all that thought process, like that's basically a telegraphed motion right there. And they can get a, if they're not get a hand in the passing lane to deflect it. They can pick it off easy and, and you know get down for some yeah. offense. So I thought, and, and that's, I saw a lot I think, of turnovers that were like a little bit indecisive in that moment. You know? it, yeah, like like uh, Denzel's um, when he pump faked, got him up, like spun back, pump fake again. Yeah, he still didn't have anything, and then uh, nobody was open, and he was kind of like looking around, and then the guy just took it out of his hand because he had nowhere to go with it. And right, um, right, uh, that's kind of one of those like record scratch, like. Uh, probably shouldn't have tried for the second pump fake. Should have gotten the ball out after the first one didn't work. Um, yeah. And then I, I know Marcus's kind of turnover there was in transition trying to – I was seeing what he was uh, – I, I saw what he was trying to do, but – Yeah, he just saw – it's like he just saw DJ a little late and didn't expect him to be that open. And, and then and by the time he realized he was, yeah. like the, his, his defender closed up and DJ's defender, uh, you know, got yeah. back in transition finally and the window just closed really – the window closed exactly, think, yeah. quicker than he made the decision, basically. Yeah, exactly. Because the on-ball defender, he kind of made him think about it, and he had to take a kind of a weird angle to try to get the ball to – because he was open. He just wasn't able yeah. to get it there right away. But right. So there were a few like that, but then there was like Antoine's where – actually, uh, looking at stats, he wasn't cred with it, but where he threw it out of bounds off Denzel. Um, and so th- there were a few like that where guys just kind of – and I think DJ like dropped the ball or – had the ball bounce off a fingertip or the pass was just slightly off and he wasn't able to hold on to it. Mm-hmm. Um, so they ended up with 16 assists to 13 turnovers, which isn't the kind of the ratio that Creighton wants. Yeah. But on the other hand, they also had 11 steals and four blocks. So uh, this they were turning sh- over a little bit more than he <laughs> want, but they were making up for it defensively. Yeah. This is a shout out to Ravi and Alex, our buddies. Uh, but I don't know how Creighton ended up with four blocks in the stat sheet. <laughs> no, <laughs> that's the, yeah. That's a really number. Like I don't, <laughs> I don't get that. <laughs> yeah, Crane or Talkbrenner uh, and Bishop each blocked at least one more piece. Yes, um, for sure. I, I pretty like definitively. I remember them both. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah. Shout out the <laughs> guys working on on uh, the, the stats today. Um, yeah, the spotters and the live statters. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, oh, I. I you got a little bit, you got some people in the, the stands now and some maybe not used to kind of keeping track with the um, oh, yeah. a, a crowd good, to perform in front yeah, of. Yeah, maybe it like rattles them a little bit. Okay, yeah. that's a good, interesting point. I hadn't thought about that. Okay, yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> but so that, that, but I mean, on but that I mean, point that, though, yeah, Ryan Kalkbrenner. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Go ahead. yeah Kalk, the defensive spark Kalkbrenner brought when he came in. Um, in like, he's done that so many times this season. So, like, when you take Christian off and his specific strengths defensively, and then you bring in Kalkbrenner, who is also really effective just in different ways, that's so tough for teams to deal with, especially when he's playing as well as he was tonight. Mm-hmm. And um, the, the one 
the first uh, kind of pick and roll dunk he had where he caught it high and then one motion went up and threw it down. Like you can't teach that. Like not no need whatsoever. Like if he had, if he had needed to kind of load up, um, kind of gather himself, get under and go up and dunk it. The defense probably could have made a play, maybe fouled him, maybe blocked him. Um, I've seen, I've seen plenty of a, a pick and roll man needing to really load up and giving the defense time to recover this season. Uh, so seeing a guy that's able to catch, keep it high and finish in one motion like that, um, that's pretty special. Um, it so. really, I mean, I mean, yeah, like it sounds simplistic, but it is like, that's, that's literally as good as you draw it up for technique. Yeah. And for him Six to be able points, to do that yeah. as a, as a freshman on just on that move alone, like for him to, for him to have the know-how and the ability to do that as a freshman, like knowing if he brings that ball down, Seton Hall has two things going for them defensively. They've got ball hawkers who will probably, you know, guards and wings that'll come in and take it away. Um, and they also have shot blockers bearing down on him. But if he drops that thing down and brings it back up the elevator shaft, uh, it's enough of a time um, that it takes to do it that a shot blocker can come out and bat that thing off the glass and and and, 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 shot, like. and he kind of caught it on a short roll too. Like he wasn't, yes. he was halfway up the lane. Right. So it wasn't like he was right at the rim, uh, alley-oop type of thing. He caught it halfway down the lane and went up and just dunked it with, in, in one motion. Like, that was really impressive. So it's six points, three of three shooting, seven boards, two blocks, um, at, least, at least three blocks, uh, a steal. Um, like, he was just so disruptive defensively. Mm-hmm. Um, so, again, plus 13 in 15 minutes. So you, you take out Bishop, uh, who – Solid game, nine points, three boards, three assists, a block, a steal. I'm um, just kind of filling the fat stat sheet. Three or four from the free throw line. Um, that's good to see out of him. Uh, and then you bring in Kalkbrenner, and he just changes the game as well. Like, that's 40 minutes of high-level center play. Heck, even Jacob Epperson got in there and knocked down his first three of the season, got a big block. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> that was good to see. Um, I really liked how Marcus Zagorowski played tonight. I thought – especially for it to be a second game in a row against a team that's, you know, Seton Hall might be, other than maybe UConn, I'm trying to think the rest of the league right now. Let me think for a second. Other than maybe UConn, I'm not sure he's going to face a tougher defensive backcourt in this league. Am I wrong? Uh, I, Aaron Thompson, maybe. Um, I don't Right, but that's one. That's one yeah, guy. You know yeah. what I mean? Like that's one. Yeah, I hear. Yeah, you, you, maybe Thompson for sure. So other he, than he's those, the only yeah, the only name that uh, could. Yeah, other than those two, I think UConn and uh, and Seton Hall are, are going to be his stiffest tests. Um, and, and and we should was, mention uh, Bryce Aiken going down when he did. Um, f- feel bad for that guy. Um, he just can't stay healthy. Yeah, out for an ankle injury. Um, basically, right as soon as he starts playing for them has to miss a lot of time, came back. He's playing some good basketball. They brought him off the bench, tries to run down the lane and steps on Christian Bishop's ankle and just drops like a rock. Kind of reminds uh, on He's on a Marcus's ankle, actually. Um, it kind of reminds me of, like, Ruby Porter. Like, I don't know if you remember that injury from the Creighton-Nebraska women's game. Like, they were just walking into a spot, and it's like there's a person there, and they just step on their foot. And it's like there's just, you know, it's really bad luck because yeah. – you're not thinking about it. You're just like, oh, I'm jogging down here. I see that. You obviously see the person in front of you, but you're not looking down at your feet. So the feet are like closer than you realize. Yeah. And then once you turn, 
I'm telling you, man, I was thinking about this the other day. I can't remember who I saw roll their ankle. Um, I don't know what game it was. I can't remember. Um, but there's, it's, it's funny because this is just my personal opinion, but like growing up, I remember like in football, I could take like a lot of contact, really hard hits. And I wouldn't really like get hurt to the point where I couldn't like keep tears from welling up in my eyes. But if I ever rolled an ankle, <laughs> I'm just, I would be a blubbering baby. Cause those things hurt so bad. Well, I mean, it's you- just like, I, I, I cried at a hundred percent of my sprained ankles growing up in sports. <laughs> I cried like they hurt so bad. And, and once you do it, it's really easy to do it again. Yeah. And that's kind of the problem that he seems to be running into where, cause yeah, like that thing, it wasn't, he wasn't even didn't put that much weight on it. It wasn't running mm-hmm. hard. Um, it's just like to the point where it seemed like his ankles that week where he caught the foot and turned it hard. Yeah. Um, like on the replay, it did not. It pick- doesn't. It doesn't take much. It sucks so bad because it doesn't take much at all. The minute it turns wrong and those tendons stretch, yeah, ball game, and, it, it gets and it's over. the same ankle that he yeah. was had missed time previously for that right ankle. So, um, with as badly as Reynolds was playing tonight, uh, perhaps Aiken could have given them a spark. Maybe he could have been that guy that made yeah. a few shots when nobody else was and kept it competitive at least. Yeah. But um, I yeah, ho- hopefully it's not too serious and he's able to come back for them um, relatively soon, but um, it's worth noting, but this Creighton, I think was winning this game, whether you played or not tonight. Yeah. I mean, and, and for Bryce, it's like, that's kind of like the story of his career. I think he's played like 35 games in four years because of that type of stuff. It's just too bad. Um, Cause he's a baller when he's healthy. Yeah. Um, but, but on Marcus, like, you know, the, I thought he was really good against the Providence game, but I think tonight was a little bit different. Providence played a lot of zone, um, so he didn't really have a lot of opportunities to probe. He had to just maybe make the right pass, find his spot, um, and pick it apart that way. Uh, tonight, I mean, coming off those ball screens, his decisiveness in that in-between area, whether to raise, raise up and shoot against a, a bigger defender or take him to the hole, um, get – into that intermediate area where he goes baseline, kicks it across to the, to the corner, open corner, and then fills out under the wing, like all that type of stuff that, that you saw last year when he was at his best, like where he was just doing fluidly. I thought I, tonight was a really good example of what that looks like when he's on. Um, because as much as Seton Hall was doing, I, I think Seton Hall was playing the type of defense that you have to play to, to beat Creighton. Um, constant switches at every position, keeping defenders in front of the ball. Um, And Marcus was still really good at just breaking guys down and getting them on his hip, uh, staying under control and making plays that compromised their rotations, like, and their ability to rotate out the shooters. I, I mean, it doesn't always show up in gaudy stat numbers. Like he doesn't always throw up like eight or nine assists. Um, but he makes really, really good reads when he's playing like that. And you can, if you just watch his decision-making be like, all right, where's he going here? Um, that kickout pass didn't lead to points, but what did it lead to in terms of the offensive movement? I mean, it was just a, it was a near flawless performance from him, even though, you know, four assists, one turnover doesn't like show it. And then not, and he only played 20 minutes because of foul trouble. Um, I mean, he was and flawless out there. It being a 35-point game where he didn't <laughs> Yeah, that, that too. <laughs> that too. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so that that's 
that was one of the – I think DJ was kind of the player of the game um, that really sparked that win against uh, Providence last week. Yeah. Uh, or last game. But the most exciting part of that was seeing Marcus look like Marcus. And it wasn't necessarily just the shots going down. That was a huge part of it. Um, we've seen stretches where the shots have gone down from early in the season. But it was how decisive Which, he was. Which, oh, by the in, way, he's eight of his last – or he's nine of his last 15 from three. Yeah. Games, so. <laughs> yeah. So it's not, not only just the shots were going down. It was how decisive he was getting into his shot. The mm. reads he was making, like, okay – this is the time to shoot. Same thing happened today. Like that's, that's what's so good about him. Like he's not a guy that's going to overwhelm you physically or whatever and blow by you. He's a guy that makes you pay for making mistakes defensively. And he'll, he'll put the pressure on you until you make a mistake. And as soon as you do, he can capitalize no matter where, whether it's the pull up, whether it's the three, whether it's getting in there and throwing it up for the lob. Um, He can do all that because he's so good at reading it and playing under control. Mm -hmm. And tonight the, the first two threes he hit, um, just beautiful. It's like instantly recognize, all right, they screwed up here. They're leaving me this space. I'm rising up and knocking it down. Yeah, and so then, the first one was ball screen, ball screen to his left, right? Um, yeah. So he shot it. So he pulled up and shot it in front of the big, no hesitation. I think the second one was on a straight switch with Mamu. Um, and he kind of like did a little crossover between the legs and, a, and hit a step back after he created space yeah. with, the, with the dribble. So like, yeah. I mean, that's what I mean. And like then the, after the, that, just on they, the threes, yeah. they were different types of threes. Yeah. So it's like, that's how you know he's feeling really good when the threes he's hitting aren't the same type of shots. They're different. Yep. That means he's creating, he's getting into his bag a little bit more because he's able to create different type of looks for himself. And then after he hits those two, they do um, send kind of more of the double at him, although yep. it wasn't aggressive enough to where he had to pick up the ball or get rid of it. He was able to kind of keep it alive, string him out, um, and then got around the big and dumped it off to uh, Christian for the dunk. Um, so that's kind of where um, he's so good is just making you play and finding the little cracks in the defense um, where he has the three level scoring ability to take advantage and the, the court vision to take advantage of wherever that weakness is. And I don't think he's been reading. And I've talked about this before. I thought a lot of the struggles early on was just kind of the speed and the feel and all that stuff where I didn't think he was reading the game very well. And obviously a lot, a lot of, especially you add the physicality teams are playing with against him it was just tough for him to read the game like he did last year. Yeah. Um, and the last two games, he's looked like the Marcus from the end of last season where he's making all the right decisions. He's hitting the shots. He's getting guys involved. Um, he's just looking really, really good right now. Yeah. It's crazy. Cause like, you're going to, we're going to go back into this game as we forget about it, as it gets further back into our memory bank. And we're going to go back and be like, Marcus, 11 points, four assists, you know, like 20 minutes. Right? We're not going to – it's not going to stand out as like a memorable Marcus Zagorowski game, but he looked Big East Player of the Year good tonight in terms of just how um, composed he was on the ball, um, how decisive he was and where he was trying to get the ball to his teammates, um, and how much variety he showed in the type of shots he hit. Like, so we talked about the first two threes, and then the second one was kind of off of like – uh, uh, don't mind if I do type of shot. Like he caught yeah. it in the corner. Um, Mommy was on him, so he already knows he's got a mismatch. The floor was kind of open for him to drive or shoot there. And I think Mamu maybe you felt that a little bit because he backed off a little too much. And Marcus <laughs> is kind of like, and then that's okay. all he needs. Yeah, like, you know what I mean. You take one step, he's making you pay. Exactly. Like that's that's yeah. what he does. Yeah, and that's what so he I, did tonight. But I think that's that's a confident shooter takes that shot. You know what I mean? So. Yep. That's that's the difference right there. Um, 
Speaking yeah. of Mamu, uh, we shout out to him for learning his lesson last year. Um, we had another situation where Mamu and DJ in an open court situation, DJ or Mamu trying to track him down yeah. and DJ's ahead. So this time, instead of going up and uh, put himself on the poster, he pulled up and let DJ go and dunk it. Um, so props to him for learning. Uh, but I, I think, uh, but Alex, even you or Alex or somebody noted that uh, we kind of got the same reaction from DJ running back on defense after that play. Right. You know, what's kind of annoying is, and you know, maybe I sound like a homer saying this, but like, I do think Sandra Ramakalashvili is a legitimate um, Big East player of the year contender. He's been awesome this year. I think he's he's been been really good. He's been really good. I mean, his efficiency isn't great in terms of his shot making, but he's been like the linchpin for that offense. Like, way better a playmaker than I thought he was. Yep. Um, and then the scoring numbers are there on, you know, he's shooting pretty well from the field. Well, yeah. Uh, so he, he's at 32% from three, which is kind of hurting right, his efficiency a little exactly. bit. Yeah. Uh, but 54% on twos and 75 at the line. Like he takes some tough ones too, where um, he doesn't necessarily always get past who he'll shoot over the top. Um, and that's always a tough shot. And Crane did a good job of forcing in some of that. Um, but also three and a half assists, seven boards, 19 points a game. Yeah. Um, so, but to, to, held to, to, to the point, I was on make, five of 12 shooting to the point I was trying to make though, is like, it's, we're getting into territory where this, this happened last year. So I want to like, <laughs> dip, I want to nip this in the bud while we can, even though we can't affect it. Cause media doesn't vote on this stuff. It's like a narrative takes over and it's almost like it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. Like Mamu is a legitimate biggest player of the year contender. We both agree with that. Right. Yeah. Um, Miles Powell was one last year. We both agreed with that, right? Until Big East play got going. Um, but Damian Jefferson again outplays this dude head to head, and he's been playing at a really high level. And I think we got a question about it actually tonight. But I know we did. I asked it in our in our in our game thread, our text thread. Is Damian Jefferson the best player in the Big East that's never going to be considered for the award? Like, that, yeah. aren't we entering that territory where it's like every single game, doesn't this dude just like show out? And you just know at the end of the day, coaches are not going to be like Damian Jefferson, first team all Big East player of the year. Like, he's not going to be on anybody's ballot because he's not a, he's not the star, right? Yeah. Like, he doesn't have the star narrative. And but is, he play, is he not playing like the best player in the league right now? Maybe one of, if not. Yeah, he's definitely up there. And that is kind of the, the one thing where Creighton's balance kind of hurts him. Sure. Um, yeah. Where, so before tonight, um, these numbers are go, or at least the scoring will go up um, 11 and a half points a game, five and a half boards a game, three assists to two turnovers, one and a half steals shooting almost 70% inside the arc over 42% from three and 47% from the line. <laughs> I mean, dude, so if, we'll, you're we'll that, that. if you're getting that over like the, what is he? A fourth option offensively on the Scotty report, like on defensive Scotty reports. What do you think Seton Hall's thinking about Damian Jefferson? They're probably thinking Marcus is the number one. We got to show. We got to make sure we know where Mitch is everywhere we go. We well, got we got to crowd Denzel on catches, and DJ will kind of live with what we kind of live with there. But he is killing teams. He was. I think he was probably fifth on the, the Scotty. Like even defending oh, the flip ups with uh, okay. Christian and the way they used him in the role. Okay. Or the role they use him offensively. I think yeah. like coming into the year and after the first week or two, um, he was probably the fifth guy teams were worried about. 
Yeah. And so if you're getting that production out of your fifth option on scouting reports, you're a final four good team. Like that's yeah. how good you are. And you so know, like, it's that's crazy. Yeah. He's been so good. That's exactly right. And that's why, so that's the funny thing. Like Creighton, we thought Creighton would be one of the best teams in the country because of the main guys they had coming back. We thought because mm-hmm. of Marcus mm-hmm. and because uh, of Marcus and um, Mitch and, and Mitch and then Denzel and kind then, of stepping up yeah, in that tie shot. Right, right. Exactly. And then like the guys like DJ and Christian are the guys we didn't really talk about. They were just kind of like, they're the knowns. They're the guys that kind of round out that roster. Um, they're fourth and fifth guys there. They're going to give you some, some rebounding, some hustle. Um, going to take advantage of opportunities when they get it offensively, but aren't going to be main focuses. Um, so that was kind of how we were talking about this team early on. But Marcus uh, and Mitch have not played like all these, uh, all Big East basketball players all season long, like we mm-hmm. thought they would. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yet Creighton is still, uh, what are they, nine and two now? Yeah, nine and two overall, five and one. Not five and one in the Big yeah. East. Yeah. yeah. So like, and that's a huge testament too. Uh, DJ in particular has been their most consistent player. I think he had yeah. one, maybe two. Um, I think during the non-conference, one of those and that fi- and that five and one, they've already beaten three of the. Uh, they've already beaten what I think are three of the top five teams in the league in Seton Hall, Providence, Providence and, Utah. and yeah, yeah, one hundred percent. And heck, Xavier. So, I yeah, mean, yeah. That's I mean. You can't go much further down in the conference without. Well, I can't. I can't. I can't knock Villanova and Creighton out of the top five. So I had to. You know. Yeah, yeah, I'm just saying. Like Xavier might be that next team too. For sure. For sure. Definitely. um, He beat in three, four, five, probably. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, So, and somehow you lose to Marquette, but. um, That's this league, baby. (laughs) Yeah. Hey, if you so we we talked early on about kind of the missed opportunities and how disappointing that was. Um, and that's still kind of the case in terms of your seeding and all that stuff in the final stretch of the year. And you don't know how good the Big East is going to be net wise and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But if you dominate the conference and you look, Creighton's got the narrative on its side it, right now. It's got the Ken Palm numbers on its side. Yeah. You just take care of business and you'll be fine. Like if you get a, if you split with Villanova and then kind of take care of business the rest of the way, I think, Crane's a pretty decent favorite in most of the rest of their games. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you don't drop more than a couple more and then split with Villanova, you're, you can kind of make up for um, not necessarily having those big resume wins in the non-conference this year because of how weird things are going to be and how the evaluator is going to have to look at the season, I think. So, um, yeah, it was disappointing early on, but I think they're, they're getting to a place now where they can make up for those missed opportunities. Yeah, I, just, I, don't, I don't know how great I feel about the – I just don't know net in terms of measuring metrics when got, when teams are going to be coming out of yeah. pauses and stuff like that. Yeah. And it, playing it, like weird touches. I just – I think I, as much as we traditionally hate the, the crutch that is the eye test for uh, pundits and analysts and selection committee members, I, I mean, I just think it is kind of what it is this year because it's going to be hard to be consistent from a metric standpoint um to to like kind of show who you are uh with the amount of interruptions that teams are going to be dealing with it's just not fair you know what i mean like there's going to be points of rust that they have to work themselves through in terms of timing um in terms of a grind if you're playing like a a four game in eight day stretch just to put some games together if you missed a bunch 
Um, you know, it's just, it's just a weird schedule. So like, I don't know how much weight to put into the net metrics yet because like none all, right all, now. Yeah. All of those yeah. Un, un, unproven variables, you know, yeah. um, the one I did, I tried to stay off social media tonight for obvious reasons, unrelated to basketball. Uh, but the one comment I did have was, I think the net owes Creighton an apology because, uh, that they was not that was not the thirtieth best team in the country or twenty ninth best whatever they are like and it, and it's always screwy when it starts it'll regulate yeah. itself and yeah. even out later in the year so it's not I mean, worth good, it good now, god but. if that is the twenty ninth best team in the country there are twenty eight incredible basketball teams out there like yeah holy cow yeah um, and uh, so I think yeah so too early to look at the net um, I think we can look at Ken Palm and. Uh, Three days ago, um, Creighton was 16th in Kempom, 10th in offense, and 36th in defense overall. Mm-hmm. And after tonight, uh, and the results of the last couple of days, they are up to 11th nationally, 8th in offense, and 26th in defense. Yeah. That is phenomenal. I mean, um, that's, that's about as good as any Creighton team has had in terms of like a balance of offense-defense. Well, under- that's... In the Ken Palm era, really. Well, yeah, and for forget about the balance. Just talk about the defense. Like, oh yeah, for Creighton's sure. best defensive finish in the Big East in Ken Palm was forty sixth during mm-hmm. the twenty sixteen seventeen season, mm-hmm. and they're at twenty six right now. Yeah, so, like I mean, it looks like when you watch this team on film and you just watch. Here's the possessions I like to watch. Like, remember, remember the possessions we liked from Tyshawn last year. What were our yeah. favorite ones? the ones that don't count on like synergy or anything like that, the ones where he like forces a guy to get rid of the ball Pass in, like, out of a shot midair, <laughs> yeah. the, the mile power special. <laughs> remember, remember how much we loved counting those, like yeah. where he would get, where he, where a guy would like, all right, I got him finally. And then they would realize midair. Oh, like, he's oh, right God, there. I don't have it. Yeah. <laughs> those, those are my ones. Like with Creighton, I love the, the defensive possessions where uh, the rotations are so sharp that it creates like you just you just don't realize what your option is offensively. It's like normally, you know, it's drive, kick, cause a rotation, attack a bad closeout, get to the rim. You know, that's kind of how offense goes pretty much if you move the ball pretty well. Creighton is so good at covering up their mistakes. I mean, yeah. I just I, I don't know how to break it down um, in terms of possessions that people should isolate to watch, but they just they just are so good at it. I mean. They're, they, they're getting – sometimes they're not great on-ball defenders, all of them, to you know, individually. But collectively, they're kind of all – you know, they're really on a string because they can get beat right, left, baseline, straight away. Um, and they're so good at, like, communicating and playing oh, with each other. At the end yeah. of the, they cover up those mistakes. And then even if you realize you've got them in a compromised position and try to kick out – the rotations are so good too because of that communication and that that continuity they have with each other. I mean, they force teams into really long possessions and really poor shots. And, and I think that's even, all you can ask out of a really good defense. Like force tough looks. You don't have to be. Even, you don't have to be always great at forcing turnovers. Um, obviously, Creighton's never going to be a great uh, shut you down on the offensive glass, defensive rebounding juggernaut because of their size. But they force tough shots everywhere like inside outside in that intermediate range they're just i mean super underrated underrated on that well and the the trade-off of kind of the size having a guy like dj at the four 
is he covers so much more ground than a typical four is capable of. Yeah, for sure. And recently, it seems like they're really, um, whether it's the defensive game plan, whether it's just him uh, reading things better, seems like they're fully weaponizing him more on that defensive end where he, how many steals has he gotten in the last two games? Uh, Ten. Ten, right? Six six against Providence, four tonight. Yeah. Yeah, and even when he doesn't get steals, like his ability to cover ground and make those rotations and help his teammates out and cover up, like, you'll trade off having a little bit more size on the glass to get that advantage. Um, and when you're stealing the ball, you don't have to worry about the defensive rebound. Um, right. So right. That, yeah. That's been huge. And think even think about Mitch, how many like rotation, like blocks and steals at the basket ha- has he gotten just because he's smart enough to be in the right spot at the right time. Mm-hmm. And suddenly he's coming up here and spiking your shot at the rim, even though he's not necessarily the most explosive guy. You don't think of him as a shot blocker, but, he's gotten a handful of those really memorable like blocks at the rim because of his perfect rotations. Mm-hmm. And you do, and guys are getting to the point now, like you, you talked about before, like they're playing on a string where um, if somebody does rotate, the next guys without thinking is just filling in. Mm-hmm. So um, like he, he's helping me. I got to recover to him um, and we'll get this figured out because they're so interchangeable. Um, they can kind of hold up even if they get into some mismatches. Um, we've seen Marcus and uh, Sharif especially kind of get caught in the post and not let that um, be an advantage for the offense where they, they've kept fighting and they made life tough. Um, and that again, that we already talked about him, but the, the, the game changer that is Ryan defensively and having a legitimate shot blocker at the back line allows you to be even more aggressive out on the perimeter, let you fly around even more because they know if I get blown by here on a bad closeout, um, I've, got the, I've got that help at the rim, and it's not going to be uh, an open road right to the rim. So um, it's all kind of coming together. They don't necessarily have anybody as individually good as Tyshawn last year, right. but I think collectively one through five and the guys who come off the bench, they're even better than last year, and it's just a progression of these guys playing together and then adding a little bit of that element of rim protection. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of, like, Butler's really good teams. Like, I can't – you know, when Butler was a second weekend type of team um, in the Chris Holtman era and then, like, maybe those first couple of Al Jordan teams, I can't tell you if they had a super uh, strong individual defender, but always just a really connected unit on that end of the floor. Like, just a low-mistake defensive team. Um, and even when they did make mistakes, they covered them up quickly and efficiently and still made you take tough shots. Um, body positioning was always really sharp, so they could draw those charges. Uh, they were always in position if you cough the ball up um, to get on the floor for it or, or get a hand in the passing lane that would, affl- that would you know, affect your offensive timing, that would possibly create a turnover or a rush shot. Um, they remind me of a little bit of those good, really good second weekend Butler teams on that end of the floor, just because of how connected they are. Um, not necessarily how uh, great they are as individual defenders, even though they're, you know, they measure up pretty good, probably above average um, to a man mostly. Um, but the unit itself, I think is playing at a really high level. I think, you know, you go back and just into their big East games, like Marquette was uh, 1.3 points per possession. So that's their one loss. Um, and then their five wins, they've held everybody below a point. So <laughs> for possession, wow. like, yeah, St. John's was 76 out of 76. 
UConn was 74 out of 77. Xavier was 61 out of 75. Providence was 65 out of 67. Uh, Seton Hall tonight was 53 out of 68. So overall on those five wins, that's uh, so the one loss, 1.3 points per possession. And then the five wins collectively, 0 0.9 points per possession. So, I mean. That, I don't, yeah, that'll yeah, work. That will work. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's going to go, that's going to get you far. Um, so, yeah. And then you mentioned the Ken Palm defensive efficiency, like uh, being 26th after tonight. Yep. Um, and as much as people think their offense has, hasn't quite hit its ceiling yet, it's still eighth. <laughs> it's still the eighth most efficient offense in the, in the country. Uh, so just like if you look at how many teams in the country have a top 10, de have a top 10 offense and a top 30 defense, um, here's your list. Gonzaga, Baylor, Michigan, Illinois, Wisconsin, Creighton. That's it. That's the list. So pretty good list to be on. Yeah. I mean, as much as people think Creighton still has a ways to go to reach its ceiling, um, and maybe as you've, as you've, uh, you know, I think fairly put, they've missed some opportunities early in the season, especially in the non-con with that Kansas game being as close as it was and not necessarily having an opportunity to play uh, a whole lot of teams that'll be, you know, that'll wow you on the resume. Um, they're still one of the elite teams in the country right now. It's hey. like, it's all relative, but they're still up there, man. Like as much yeah. as, as much as everybody but, but, thinks the ceiling still isn't there yet. Yeah, I'll, I'll put a bow on this defensive Kempom discussion with this. They're the best defense in the Big East. Are they now for tonight? They are. Oh, okay. So I thought they were set. Were they second? No, Nova's 37th. Uh, let's see. UConn is. I, maybe in league play is what I was thinking of, yeah. possibly then. So, yeah, they're really good. Yes, that they are. Um, yeah, so they're the best defense in the Big East and then the second best offense, right? Is that yeah, so, yeah, so UConn is second uh, at 31st overall, then Villanova is 37th. Yeah. Um, so so Villanova is the fourth best offense in the country. Creighton's the eighth. So there are four spots separating them there. Um, and Creighton's 11 spots ahead of Villanova in adjusted defense. So Yeah, but I know, I know everybody overall. thinks there's a gap between Villanova and Creighton, but. As, uh, as I was saying in the offseason, I think you were saying it too. I don't think there's a gap there. Uh, yeah, well, so if, if Creighton can kind of get to the – like reach its offensive ceiling, but we talked about they haven't done that yet. Yeah, well, Creighton, yeah, I mean, if, if Creighton reaches its offensive ceiling, there's a gap there, but it's not the way people think. Yeah, well, yeah so, yeah, because Villanova is third in Kempom and is six points ahead of Creighton in offensive uh, adjusted offensive rating. Okay. Um, so yeah. at eighth there's still quite a gap between them offensively. And that's why uh, mm -hmm. Villanova is eight spots higher than Creighton, despite the defensive yeah. um, disparity. So um, yeah, so it's all relative in terms of where their ranking is, but yes, they, they're a very good defensive team uh, and they are a very good offensive team. So yeah. turns out Creighton's a good, a very good basketball team. A very good basketball team. Hot take, hot take <laughs> alert. <laughs> Um, oh, uh, one thing we haven't uh, mentioned. So they put up 89 points. They were up 40 at one point. They got three they points up, from Mitch Ballack. They were up 42, weren't they? Was that the biggest lead tonight? 40, wasn't it 89, uh, 89 47? Or was it 46? Largest, largest lead. Yeah, 89, 53. 
No, that's last week. Month. Sorry, largest lead. Forty. Yeah, forty-two. Eighty-nine, forty-seven. Okay. Yeah, I thought that was the largest lead. So, yeah, got really yeah. So they they left a forty-two point lead with Mitch Ballack taking two shots and scoring three points. <laughs> that's just not fair. <laughs> I mean, if you're seating, if you're seating all, like, what the hell do you do? He. That was insane. Like he didn't even. He didn't even take a shot um, until the fourteen thirty-seven mark of the second half. You know what I loved about it though? Like he took, <laughs> he hit his first three, and then he immediately hit shot from the logo a minute later. And it was an inch short. It was. An it was like, short. I know. It hit that rim and fell forwards. Like it was right there. I love it. I love that dude because he. That, I, I, I tell people I'm like Mitch only needs two before he's on. Before he yeah. thinks he's on, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, like if you watch those practice videos ever where he's like, where you get him hitting 30 in a row or whatever yeah. it is, like when he wishes like on a super um, hot streak, like it only takes him a couple to get into that rhythm. And you're like, if you see oh, him, ever, here we go. Got to get the gym, phone up. <laughs> yeah. If you're ever yeah. in a gym watching Mitch shoot, if you see two in a row go down, get your camera ready. Yeah. Like that's the rule. Get your camera ready because you might not miss for a few minutes. Um, but so yeah, like in, on, in a game, yeah. he comes in, he hits one that was really good. It was a really good rhythm shot for him, and then for him to immediately come down and and put up a logo bomb, like <laughs> you just gotta laugh because you're like, it doesn't take much for that. He's been shut down all game. He hasn't gotten any great looks, um, but he got one to go down, and he's like, I'm pulling from the logo. Here we go. Like if my feet are set, that's his rule. If my feet are set, I'm good. I don't care how far I am. Like his feet were set, he caught it, and up it went. <laughs> Three points, one of two shooting, one rebound, one assist, one steal in 24 minutes. Creighton was plus t- uh, 27 with him out there. Isn't that, that insane, right? Isn't that insane? It's it. I'm like that's why that's why he plays typically plays the minute level he does. Yeah. And why people like even when he's not hitting shots, like there's so many people that still don't fully appreciate. Mitch's value on the team like people it'll, say he's it'll, just, it'll, he's never, so it'll one, never it'll never happen yeah, he's one-dimensional he, uh, like if he's not shooting why is he out there like because games like this happen with him out there because he's so he, he demands so much attention he's yeah. so smart on both ends he gets everybody else looks um it like he, he's just so valuable to this team whether the sh- he's getting shots or not mm-hmm. and this game is a perfect like he, again he went 20, we should do, we should 25 do minutes without even getting a look at the rim and he didn't care like, no we should do a super cut of Mitch just running <laughs> like that just possessions where he doesn't shoot and creighton gets an easy bucket because of his movement yeah. where it's like oh he dragged a, a defender and somebody's eyeballs that way and then creighton got an op, uh, open yeah. look on the side yeah. yeah like yeah or yeah how how many of those uh flip up dunks are because you've got Mitch on the backside and you can't help off him. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. I mean, if you think about it, like Seton Hall, if I remember right, I'm pretty sure it was Reynolds and Kale a lot tonight who were, um, who were switching on and off of Mitch, like just in there. Cause they switched a lot defensively, yeah. but I think it was Reynolds and Kale switching a lot of Mitch. Those are their two best perimeter defenders, like by far. So yeah. the whole game, Seton Hall has their best defenders on Mitch um, and they shut him down, right? And they still got blown out, blown out. Yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, eighty-nine points in 64, 60, 
nine possessions or whatever it was. Yeah. I mean, that's crazy. Like how many, how many teams can you basically skunk um, their a top two or three offensive option and get rolled like that? Yeah. It's crazy. He shot 60% from the field and scored 1.33 points per possession. <laughs> it's insane. It's insane. Uh, should we jump into questions now? Maybe. Yeah, we got. Uh, I guess one more um, shout out, like uh, okay. Denzel Mahoney getting going in the second half. There, um, it was good to see him have that first shot go down after the two for twelve um, outing last time. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, for seven from three, he comes out, knocks down his first three of the game. Um, so that was great. To see. He didn't. Uh, he didn't finish um, well in the first half, but in the second half, he comes out nine points on four or five shooting, one or two from three. A um, couple of assists. He had that nice um, kind of pick and roll feed to Ryan for the dunk. And I think that's an area of his game that he's really improved in this year. He's had quite a, uh, quite a few of those coming off the pick, rises up, and then dumps it off to the big instead of – where in the past, I think last year, that's a mid-range jumper every single time. Mm-hmm. This year, he's keeping his eyes open. He's reading the play. And that was a beautiful pass he had there to Ryan. Oh, uh, perfect. Yeah. Yeah. And he's done that several times this, this season already. So, um, I – I'm going to look real quick, just kind of see where uh, he's averaging two assists a game, um, mm-hmm. two assists, 1.4 turnovers uh, for a guy that's, um, yeah. <laughs> he had, uh, he had 18 assists last year or 14 assists last year. He's All already season. got 18. Right. Yeah, yeah. In 21 yeah. games, mm-hmm. he's got 18 already this year in nine games. Yeah. So, that, that's kind of I, – I had a feeling that he already had blown that number out of the, the gates. But that just adds kind of, again, making him a more well-rounded player. And even when he's not necessarily lighting it up, um, he, he can still help you. And it was good to see him kind of get that, get that confidence back and have a good second half there because um, you know they're going to need him quite a lot this year when um, things aren't rolling for other guys. So. I think I think that um, we kind of hit on uh, most of the uh, the guys. Uh, shout out to uh, um, my guy Andrew Murfeld, uh, freshman walk on, making his Creighton debut. Uh, yeah. Son of Steve Murfeld, he's he's kind of been hurt this year, so he hadn't really had a chance to suit up previously. But got out there and uh, got a fir- his first few minutes as a Blue Jay today. So um, the kid that grows up in this program goes so many games as a kid. To, to get to finally get out there on the court himself. I can't imagine how that felt for him tonight and, and for Steve as well. So that's kind of a perfect ending to a game like this to get a guy like that in the game. So yeah. Uh, good for a little Murph. Yeah. So um, here's a, you want to, here's a stat I'm laughing about right now. Uh, let me see if I can count it right. Uh, away. So let me see how far I have to go back for it. Okay. Four. So Okay, so in Damian Jefferson's, like, if you go back to Biggie's play last year and then start of it this year, so the first 20 games uh, of that sample, so 18 league games last year and the first two this year, he had uh, 13 steals in those 20 games. Yeah. He has 14 steals in his last four. (laughs) (laughs) He had three against – he had three against UConn, one against Xavier, six against Providence, four against – uh, Seton Hall tonight. So he went from 13 steals in his last 20 Big East games to 14 in the last four Big East games. He's just a menace. 
Yeah. Although just, to be fair, the, the one that led to the, the transition dunk, like that was such a bad pass. It was Reynolds, I believe, where mm, literally yes, it was yes. a chest pass to DJ it streaking up the was. floor. <laughs> it, it, it actually prompted the first question for, for Reynolds. Like, does yeah. he, uh, is he okay? Unfortunately, um, DJ kind of returned the favor and threw it right back to Mamu kind yeah. of on the same play yeah. a couple couple uh, possessions later. So but that's still, not great, but he still overall. finished. He still finished in the red in steals to turnovers, oh. tonight, which is oh, I yeah. think is I think you'll take that. Like if, you, if you're if, again if you're taking it away more than you give it away. Yep, um, that's good basketball. That's so, still plus possessions for you. Uh, yeah, you could, if a guy turns it over ten times in a game, you're probably like, okay, there's an issue there. But if he has 11 steals, you're also like, all right, well, you know, maybe there's some give and take here that we can live with. Oh, no, did I lose Jacob? Still here. Okay. He froze for a second, and I panicked. We're back. Uh, well, yeah, my internet connection is unstable. That's strange. Um, it happens. It'll, you'll you'll okay. shake out of it. Um, let's uh, jump into questions. Let me hop on this hellhole that is Twitter real quick. Well, I got him up here if you want me to. Um, yeah, you, you can yeah, check go, if you got anybody. Go ahead, because uh, I feel like if I want to hop on here, I'm going to see something bad and want to get off. Yeah, so we already kind of hit on some of these, but for first question tonight was from Andrew at Marshall Kicks 23. Uh, here's my question for tonight. Does DJ ever get put in uh, Biggie's Player of the Year talks? Yes, okay, right. okay, Andrew, I respect it, right? We just talked about that, yeah? Yeah, and that was early in the game, I believe. So, um, okay. Or I don't think that was at the end of the game. But uh, so – like we talked about, I don't think so for two reasons. One, kind of the narrative coming in and the names and mm-hmm. um, the guys that have already identified been identified as the guys. Mm-hmm. And two, Creighton's balance. Like, I don't – nobody on Creighton is going to win Big East Player of the Year except for Marcus Zagorowski. Like, he's – because of kind of the, the preconceived notions coming in. Mm-hmm. Like, if Creighton finishes first, first in the league um, – Unless like Marcus is averaging eleven and four, and DJ keeps this up and is scoring seventeen a game in conference play, maybe then um, he'll get it. But if they're pretty comparable, like Marcus is going to get most of the uh, attention, and like that's not like DJ's been phenomenal, but Marcus is also still kind of the guy that is going to make it all work in, in the biggest games and when you need um, things going. So. Um, I, I don't think he'll ever be put in that conversation. We'll see if he keeps this up though. He's definitely going to put himself in the all big East conversation. Um, Cause you, you got, you got to think like if Creighton finishes first in the league, they got to have a shot. Like we, everybody's been talking about Gillespie and you have to think Creighton's got to get a shot to get two, three guys recognized between the, the multiple teams or whatever. So yeah, he, he can definitely put himself into that conversation. I, he's just got such a, um, hole to dig himself out of to kind of be in the Big East player of the year. And Creighton just by nature of the way they're playing and how good they are, one guy isn't going to be scoring 20 a game for them this year. Agreed. I think, uh, yeah, it's just, it's just really tough because the narratives control so much of that. Um, I just don't know how coaches are going to like think of him in terms of value. And honestly, I, I've probably done this too, because I think, I think Marcus is Creighton's most important player, like most vital to their success player. Right. Like if you take him away, Creighton's identity goes through a major shift, like in who, in who they are and how they operate. Um, 
but Damian Jefferson might be their most valuable so far because he does so many things in so many different areas that affect winning, that impact winning the game. Um, well, and even that, tonight, like, like we talked about, yeah. Like yeah. he came in and when Marcus had to go out, he just took over the game. Like yes, if he's right. doing that now, on in addition to all the hustle plays, the corner threes, the, the steals, the rebounds, um, like now we've got a legitimate conversation to have here uh, about this team and kind of how we viewed all these players. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, Crane's got a lot of very good basketball players. That's kind of the, the overall takeaway, I think, from this discussion. Right. And DJ is absolutely one of them. And that's kind of going to be like how Creighton uh, butters the bread so far. If they're going to be a really elite basketball team in in whatever years they're elite in, it's going to be because of the collective as opposed to uh, an individual versus – like if you just go back to uh, the 13-14 team where it was like so dug heavy, um, that that was basically if you – if you were able to limit him and make him inefficient, you probably beat Creighton that night. You know what I mean? As uh, long as you weren't giving Rocky 10 open looks a game. <laughs> right. Yes. Fair. <laughs> yeah. But if you made Doug go like seven for 20, you probably had a good Did chance. Did Doug ever go seven for 20? Uh, not often, but <laughs> yeah, maybe sometimes. Yeah. That was very, um, the, the very hard thing to do. Which it was, was, it was, it was won a lot of games that year. <laughs> it, was, it was also why he's one of the greatest basketball, college basketball players ever. Um, yeah, so like that, you know, but this year, like, like we've just highlighted with Mitch, like you can shut down one and you still have problems all over the place. I mean, it's just, that's just the way it is right now. Um, so yeah, I don't know, but it's, I I do think he's deserving of something. Yeah. The way he's playing right now, but you know, you also have to factor in still six games in, so no one's crowning anybody. No one's giving anybody any awards right now. But if you, if you just like take this performance and map it out and say, this is the way DJ plays the rest of the year. He deserves to be in that conversation. I just don't know if the coaches in the league will respect him enough to put him in it. That's all. And That's basically because it. of the respect they've got for everybody else on the team too. And yeah, um, like, yeah, Marcus is going to get that respect because, and rightfully so, but also DJ's earning some of that himself. And I, I think this will be one. Let's circle back in 10 games and evaluate where each of the guys are on Creighton and yeah. where some of the other contenders in the conference are and kind of see where everybody's at after 10 league games. Um, I think it'll be a little bit, little bit, make for a better comparison there. So, yeah. Um, yeah. All right. I'm, I'm leaning on you for these questions. I'm not jumping right. on Twitter. So you're up. Yeah. Well, we don't have many, but. Uh, God, Billy... bless you. God bless you, by the way, for going on Twitter tonight. And yeah. For these. yeah. Well, I, I've been on it all day. It's <laughs> been hard to look away, but unfortunately, Me too. Um, but uh, yeah, Billy BJ uh, at noisy underscore Jaybird. Have have you seen anything more gruesome than that? I'm assuming you're coming at this from a Seton Hall fan's perspective. Well, I saw um, something, I saw something, saw something more gruesome five hours ago. Five hours. Ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's unrelated to basketball. <laughs> Very <laughs> quite, true. Quite gruesome, in fact. Uh, so, I mean, just if we stick to sports on that question, um, more gruesome than that. That what is that? Is Creighton's second largest margin of victory in a Big East game? Correct. I is think it? that's what the. I, well, I which think one's which one's which one's larger? Uh, would they beat? Would they beat worse than that? Um, they beat Villanova worse than that. I forgot what the. Yeah, we should know. We, like we've rewatched that game how many times now? I know. Um, I don't think they beat Villanova worse than that. Who'd they beat worse than thirty six? 
Who got handed Pro- to him? Who Pro- got handed? Probably DePaul. <laughs> oh, you're right. It probably was. <laughs> wait, wait. What was the what were the scores of those Butler games? Maybe they beat Butler that bad. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, John Bishop tweeted out largest margin of victory for Creighton against Seton Hall and unofficially. So he said unofficially the second largest margin of victory in a Big East game. Really? Let's go back. I mean, maybe last year was. Let's see what they beat. They beat Butler by 32, so that wasn't it. Or 22, sorry. Not and I guess the TV broadcast said it was Seton Hall's worst Big E's loss. Ever? Yeah. What? Wow. Okay. Um, so I'm blaming Omaha Joe if that's wrong, but that's I, I don't remember hearing that, but I don't, also don't listen closely to the, the TV broadcast when I'm watching games. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, that's apparently what FS1 that's, said. That's incredible. If that's their worst – I mean, they've had some – crappy teams in Big East against some really good <laughs> they've had some crappy teams against some really good Big East teams like I can't yeah. that's hard to believe all right then I'm 30 36 I'm, points is a lot <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm legitimately mad about this so I'm trying to think who Creighton stopped that bad yeah because I can think I'm go, of like I'm going back of, to, I'm going back to 13 14 because it had to have been something there yeah I, I can think of plenty like 20 point uh, I mean, they beat Butler by 28. That was an ugly one. Just going back here. I don't see it. 36. Who did they stomp that bad? It couldn't be the four. I'm going to laugh if it was the 14-15 team. <laughs> <laughs> There's just a game in there where they won by like 40. Like, what? No, it's not any of these guys. What in the hell? There's no way there's a game. 15, 16? Oh, yep. Uh, Chris Mullins' first game in Omaha. Uh, Ah, dang it. 100 to 59. (laughs) (laughs) I forgot about that one. Okay. Uh, Touche, Mullen. Touche. We definitely should have guessed that. (laughs) Yeah, we definitely should have. That one was merciful. Was that the one where they were making fun of his shoes and he wanted to get the student section ejected? He wore boat shoes that day. Like <laughs> what? It, that was like unreal. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, it, when did it, when did he get tossed? What what mark? Where is that? Did they show when he got ejected? Let's see. Yeah, thirteen forty two left. He got ejected. <laughs> Let's see what the score was when he got when he got tossed. Um, where are we at? Does it show him getting ejected? Oh yeah. Okay. So it was sixty. It was seventy-one thirty-six when he got tossed. <laughs> Jesus, they had him doubled up. <laughs> yeah, I'd, I'd get tossed in that one too. Yeah, it's like the, yeah, no, no reason for me to stay here. <laughs> I mean, he wasn't I, he wasn't more than two words from ever getting tossed in a game. But yeah, it, it, that'd be pretty easy. Okay. Yeah, I did. Wow, I glossed over that one. Okay, good call. So I guess yes, we have seen one game more gruesome mm-hmm. than that. Yeah, we uh, have for, for, for the opposition. Yeah. I mean, that um, one felt really. That one felt more gruesome when you consider that I think Seton Hall's an NCAA tournament team. I think they've played yeah. that one so far. They look like oh yeah, you know, I think they're pretty good. Um, that, and, I, that, and honestly, yeah. the thing that I said, excuse me, the thing I said coming into the night was I thought, and you can maybe disagree if you want to, I thought Seton Hall was the best offensive team that Creighton has played all year. Did you do you disagree with that a little bit? But I thought it was going to be tough for them to shut to guard Seton Hall tonight, and 
that didn't translate at all. I don't think an idiot saying that. Um, <laughs> but I thought Seton Hall was going to be the best offensive team from a balance standpoint that Creighton has played all year, just position to position to position. I thought it was going to be a tough matchup on that end and that Creighton was going to have to be really sharp on the offensive end for on their, on their side of it to be, to win this game tonight. Yeah. Um, definitely up there. Um, I, yeah. That, that it was probably, that's one of the most complete performances I've ever seen from a Creighton team. Uh, when you factor in level of opponent. Yeah. 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 The depth of contributions, the efficiency, the success on both ends of the court. Mm-hmm. Um, like that was just, again, like we've seen them, like that, those Villanova games where they just go nuts from three, and Creighton shot the really the ball really well from three in this game, uh, thirteen of twenty four, fifty four percent. But like thirteen threes, that's a good day for Creighton. That's not an out. Um, <laughs> it's not an out of like an outlier type game. That wasn't like no. Roggy hitting ten threes against Nova or whatever. Like. <laughs> it was just an overall really good performance, not necessarily kind of like an outlier in any one area. They just, well, I think you said, I mean, you said it in your opening remarks, it was just like, um, they were better in every phase of the game, which is really hard to do. It's hard to be better <laughs> than an opponent at this level in every phase. And they were, so yeah, that's why it was uh, as gruesome as it was. Yep. Yeah. Um, it, might, it might be the most complete performance in the Mac area. Honestly, when you factor in how good Seton Hall is, I mean, seriously, yeah. Uh, Brian, uh, Brian J thirteen seventeen. Uh, Jacob, is this a better game to be on the pod than after the Marquette game? Uh, yes. Is that the last time you were on? I think so. Cause that, uh, okay. My bad. Yeah. Cause, um, what was that? My COVID pod? Yes, that was, you're right. Yeah. So yes, for a, a, a variety of reasons. Yeah, considering you had a deadly virus and Peyton <laughs> lost, yeah, I think you're in a much better headspace than, than that, right? Very much so. And then the fact that the Suns followed it up with a win too. It's like mm-hmm. after a very bad day in general, yeah. it, it closed on a very high note. We'll, we'll sure. just put it that way. For sure. 2021's looking up basically at this point. <laughs> Jacob's over COVID. We survived the worst day in U.S. history and – Creighton dismantled um, one of a Big East contender. So yeah, yeah. Uh, Danny Sullivan, uh, why wasn't Seton Hall up for that game? Question mark uh, exclamation point. Is that like <laughs> is that an inside joke that I'm missing? Um, yeah, and I, I'm wondering like is that like a, I wasn't quite sure. I don't know if that's like I feel like I feel like, Dan, I feel like I feel like Danny's a guy who's normally pretty like he he's, yes. He's trying to be funny there, right? Yeah, that's what I was like. How, how like, trying to take a downplay Creighton's accomplishment or something yeah. like, for the people that try to do that? Uh-huh. Like, oh, the no show by Seton Hall. Um, yeah, we yeah. talked about that, right? Like, it's yeah. definitely not a no show. No, they, they like, got they, shown. They, they got shown out. <laughs> yeah, like they came into this game like, all right, we got we got something to prove here. Unfinished mm-hmm. business from last year, and just got demolished. Right. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I they. Seton Hall probably came in thinking that this was a statement opportunity for, or an opportunity for them to make a statement. Yeah. And uh, basically they, they every, saw what, every, everything yeah. in their wildest imagination in terms of preparation did not go according to plan. Yeah. I'm sure they saw that Marquette game and they're like, all right, so if they can do it, we can do it too. We're going to come in here. We're a better team than them. Um, uh, so if they can beat them there, so can we. And yeah. It did not play out that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Kevin Willard, if he wasn't already bald, 
these two games in Omaha would have made him tear out all his hair. Those guys, <laughs> yeah. those yeah. guys are going to have nightmares about the CHI Health Center. I mean, this is their second loss at CHI this season. Not only just to Creighton, they got they got they got work. That's so right. Both, both the Creighton, both the Creighton coaches of this of the of our lifetime have smacked Seton Hall in Omaha. Dana and Matt. Yeah. Yeah, if, if they ever need to uh, schedule another game in Omaha during a future pandemic, uh, at best, I'm guessing they're going, going to be hitting up Baxter Arena or uh, check out Pinnacle Bank Arena. There's no way they would ever willingly come to CHI <laughs> Health Center again, I would say. Dear God, please don't let there be another pandemic. Unless they're actually the mandated to play here by the league schedule. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't know if I, can, I don't know if I can handle another pandemic yeah. in my lifetime, so let's hope there isn't one. Let's hope there's different reasons why they have to schedule yeah. other games. Um, What's next? Yeah. So, all right. Uh, the last question we got here again is a light uh, from Hilltop alum. Uh, shout out Jimmy. How does Creighton carry this momentum into the next two weeks? Is Hilltop alum Jimmy? Yes. I thought that was Joey. Jimmy's. Oh, did I say Jimmy? Yeah. yeah. You said Jimmy. Sorry. I said Jimmy. I yeah. Yeah, I don't think that's Jimmy. I could be wrong. I'm pretty sure Hilltop alone is Joey. But go on. What was the question? Yeah, sorry. Uh, it, now you got me shook. I, uh, yeah, <laughs> so how, how does Crane carry uh, this momentum into the, the next two weeks? Uh, what's their next two weeks look like? I forgot. Yeah, I haven't even looked at the... Hold on, I'll pull, I'll pull it up and then you can answer first. <sighs> yeah. Uh, so, Gosh, well, okay. Let's see. They've got a home game against St. John's on Saturday at 11 a.m. A team they've already um, worked pretty good, and, and a team that's really struggling right now, honestly. Um, then they're at Butler, who is always tough at Hinkle, but um, probably not a team that matches up well with Creighton right now. And then they got oh, Providence. Man. Then they got Providence and UConn at home, who they've already beaten on the road. So I mean, well, yeah, that's that's. I mean, definitely an opportunity to to what extend this winning streak to what is it nine? It would be nine after that. Is it five in a row now? Yeah. I mean, it's it's set up for them. I don't know. I I, I don't know which one. I, I think UConn's the toughest game in that schedule because I think they're the best. I think they're the third best team in the league in my opinion. So. And then they have to go to Seton Hall on January 27th. I feel awkward looking ahead in, a, in this day and age, too, because <laughs> it's almost certainly going to be a change to the schedule in that time. But, yeah, I don't know. I mean, the St. John's game at home is one you got to win because you got to finish that series up. It's St. John's is a bottom half of the league team. So I think if you're going to be a title contender in the league, you have to sweep those teams. Yep. Yeah, you, um, yeah you, have to, you have to sweep St. John's. Butler, DePaul, if you get to play them twice. Yeah. <laughs> and, and Georgetown. Schedule. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. That's, like, eight, you that's, gotta, that's, yeah. that's eight wins you need out of that grouping. Yeah, for sure. Yes, 100%. Um, and so or se- at least seven, or you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you can't go it's, lower than that. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and if, yeah, if you drop one, then you're going to have to steal um, one against somebody else. Right. Um, so I think but, if, uh, if, you, if you say that, if you say that, uh, like UConn's a top three team, right? In my opinion. I don't know if you agree, but winning at UConn 
allows them to drop a game in that grouping, in my opinion. So like if you beat a top three team on the road, you can lose to a bottom five team somewhere, like just once. You know what I mean? Like you can yeah. give one there because you won one that maybe you uh, wouldn't be favored to do so. And if it, and then how it normally stacks out. Because you figure you're going to split with the top three or four, um, you have to pretty much, t- t- you know, sweep the bottom half. So yeah. So so, yeah. so the, the the way you, <laughs> the first key is keeping Marcus fresh and healthy. Like if yeah. he's in a rhythm, you're going to have a chance to win every single game you play in, because like DJ isn't always going to score um, like he did tonight. Like he has the last couple of games. Uh, Denzel is going to be up and down. You'll have a few games where Marcus gets loose or Mitch gets loose here or there. But as long as Marcus is playing well and reading the floor the right way and doing what he does, he'll find whoever is playing well that game and he'll create opportunities for those guys and he'll get somebody else going alongside him. So that's the key is to keep Marcus playing how he is right now. And whatever you have to do, uh, between games to kind of keep him charged and keep him in this rhythm, go ahead and do that because, um, again, this team's going to go as far as he can take it. And right now, he's taking it um, right where um, I think we all want it to go. So that, and then keep the defensive effort up. Mm-hmm. Um, again, so far, we, they've won some ugly games this year. Um, they've had some close ones where they weren't playing well offensively and they got it done with the defense. So, like the old coaching cliche, Defense travels, um, so if you if they can stay locked in uh, on that end, then they'll have they'll give themselves time to kind of figure things out on offense um, these next few games. So I think those are the key: just keep keep Marcus healthy and keep up the the defensive effort. Don't kind of come in like feeling good and let a team get hot early, um, make make a few mistakes, and um, kind of let somebody get going. Um, then I, I think they'll be able to kind of keep this going yeah i was just looking back at last year they're they're actually 16 and 3 in their last 19 games in big east play so they actually have a chance here in these next couple of weeks if they play and, every, and the schedule stays intact um to put together a villanova type run of games honestly like or a, Vill- a villanova type record in their run of games yeah i should say um yeah they're the best team in the league over the last basically since Let's see how far this back this goes. This might be. Hold on, let me let me check the date on this real quick before I say it. Okay. Well, so yeah, so, it might be it might be worth getting on Twitter to tweet about. Yeah, we're, we're after midnight um, at this point in recording, and it's been a long day. So sorry, Joey. I don't know why I said Jimmy there. Yep. <laughs> oh, you did finally at this point. Oh yeah, so it goes back to Marcus's game winner. Um, I thought it went back to John's uh, son being born, Yatabo. So. One, one extra win on top of that. So basically, Mark. So remember the Providence game, everybody, where they were coming off the road loss at Georgetown, and um, you know Ty got hurt. And it looked like they were maybe dropping a home one and possibly falling to what would it would have been? It would have been one, two, and three, dropping to two and four in the league last year. Marcus's game winner. They're sixteen and three since basically he hit that shot in the league, and they were they they had lost three of their. They had lost three of their last four going in. So think about that. So three losses in four games. Then Marcus hits the game winner against Providence. And since then they've won 16 of 19. Isn't that crazy? That's 
pretty good much, run. How much of a launching point that game was? Yeah. <laughs> well, and now that I think about it, uh, uh, I think we kind of forgot to mention this, but uh, um, my buddy Joe Subject kind of counted up over the last 50 minutes against Seton Hall, Crane has outscored the Hall 119 to 63. <laughs> 119 to 63 in 50 minutes. That's that's like uh Yeah, I mean that's like a I mean you just drag like a 300 level team into your gym to do that to somebody. Yeah. It's pretty that's, rough. That's pretty rough. Uh, I wonder I wonder if Seton Hall feels that. Like do you think they feel that? Like do you think they feel like the gap is that big if they think about the last 10 minutes of the game last year and then what happened tonight? Do you think they feel like they're not even close to Creighton right now? It, so uh, we'll put it this way. Creighton only beat Midland 91-54 in 40 minutes last year. <laughs> so, right. <sighs> yeah, that's yikes. And when do they call off the dogs tonight? Six minutes left? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Didn't, yeah. Marcus, didn't Marcus get the curtain call? That, like, didn't, I think that was like around the six-minute mark. Yeah, like, yeah, because the, the walk-on. So, we got uh, uh, Jet Canfield played six minutes. Uh, okay, all right. Sammy, Sammy Osmani got five. Nick Zile got Shout four. Shout out to Sammy uh, Osmani for getting a bucket. Yeah. That is first points. Yeah, a little mid-range, little mid-range pull-up. All right. Yeah. See you. Yeah, so Nick Zile played four, and Andrew Murfeld played three. So, yeah, that was – yeah, Marcus, Marcus, uh, Christian, and DJ all checked out with seven oh five to go. <laughs> so that's how much that's how much garbage time there was in this game tonight. Creighton actually went on a <laughs> after that. Creighton actually went on like a what was it? Let's see where they went. went on, they went on a they went on a fifteen five run. The, yeah. The, Second unit, garbage time unit, went on 55 run. Wow. Yeah. Seton Hall scored the last six points of the game over yes, the last it, minute right, and a half. Right. So, so it, it was 70, it was 74-42 when Creighton called off the dogs, and it was 89-47 before Seton Hall kind of made it a 36-point game at the end. Yeah. So Epperson, Epperson's three basically ended Creighton's night, essentially. Yep. Okay. Well, that was fun. Yeah. Fun way to end yeah. a horrifying day. Um, what do you got for people? Jo- we, we, oh, God, they can't be much worse, man. I can't take <laughs> this crap anymore. I've been in utter isolation and mental, like, beat down for the last 10 months. I'm yeah. sick of this crap. Actually, it's probably more than that now. What are we at? It was, it was March 12th. What's today? January 6th. Well, 7th. 7th. Yeah, 7th now. How many months is this? December was nine, so this is the tenth month now, right? <sighs> Just need to breathe. <laughs> Keep breathing. Um, what you got for people, Jacob? What are we looking? What are we looking for on Hell Varsity coming up here? Uh, well, we'll see if Nebraska gets to play on Sunday. Um, had to cancel. Got, who do they got? That they're home against Indiana. Okay, that's another L. So. It really, I mean, that's kind of what it's going to, I mean, they're not going to win any games in Big Ten play. So. But uh, I got got some high school coverage, um, more coming mm, this week. Okay. So, so I'll be at a game Thursday night, uh, be at some game, get, be at a couple games Friday night, and then 
we had some games on Saturday as well. Do you know which games you're going to yet? Which uh, I, yeah, I'm going to go to Elkhorn North um, hosting BRLD. Um, BRLD is one of the best teams in C2, reigning champ. Um, and they've got Lucas Vogt, who's one of the best point guards in the state. Um, he's, he's phenomenal. And so, and Andy King is the new head coach, kind of starting the program from scratch over there at Elkhorn North. Okay. Um, so kind of going to see them play. And then Friday, we've got Bellevue West uh, against Abraham Lincoln over in Council Bluffs. And All right. Kind of the smack shootout border battle thing. Checking out so, the Josh, Josh Dix show again. That's, that's exactly what I was going to yeah. mention. Yeah, the Josh Dix, who is a guy that Creighton fans might want to kind of keep an eye on uh, nearby that um, could potentially be on the Jays' radar, depending on how he develops over the next year. Um, and, and going up against Chucky Hepburn, who Creighton fans, I'm sure, are very familiar with at this point. Um, mm-hmm. So, and then the girls are playing before that. Um, so we'll kind of see if I manage to get over there early enough. But, uh, and then on Saturday, they just games all day long kind of as part of this border battle. So um, not quite sure yet which games are going to do. It kind of depends on how the day works out, but um, should be good. So looking forward to it. Cool. All right, you hoops junkies, you know where to follow Jacob. So um, get ready. He'll take you on a ride for some of the good local hoops around here. Um, and then you know where to find this podcast. Uh, we'll have it on iTunes. Um, so subscribe to that if you aren't already doing so. And then check out all the post-game coverage on whiteandbluereview.com. Um, we'll have more, you know, next day wrap-ups and stuff like that and notebooks. And, um, you know, if it looks like I can brave it, uh, hop on Twitter and maybe put something out there in terms of breakdowns and whatnot. So... We'll see how it goes. Um, I hope everybody had a good end of their day uh, watching Creighton dismantle a really, really good Seton Hall team. That was an impressive win by the Jays, no matter how you slice it. Um, And I appreciate everybody tuning in. I know it was a rough day today for everyone, um, but hopefully we gave you some some escape from it, uh, some escapism to uh, take your mind off of it and uh, focus on something good, something positive. We'll be back at you Saturday. I don't know who I'll have on, um, but that's the next time you'll hear from us. So in the meantime, everybody have a really good rest of your week, and we'll talk to you on Saturday. Take care.